Hey, ringers, happy September. Happy early September. <gasps> Dan, by the time this episode comes out, guess what? What? My birthday would have been yesterday. <gasps> How old are you going to be? 35, the same age that you're going to be. <laughs> In December. Yeah, because I'm older, guys. Three months older. That is why you're amazing. That is why. Guys, happy birthday to me. Yay! <laughs> I got really excited just thinking about that because we record this, as you guys know, a little bit in advance. So oh. anyway, this is a good episode. This is one of those episodes where we took a bunch of questions that y'all had sent in. We picked our favorites and we just answered them. It was a really great time. There's some tangibles in here. There's some highs, some lows, some heavy stuff. But one of the things that we always want to remind you guys is that we have a Patreon, and that gives you guys access to us in many different ways to ask us questions, to kind of really have us in your back pocket as your wedding mentors. Uh, but yeah, head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash P-A-R-O-I. You can check out, there's a bunch of different tiers. You can come alongside us. You can come alongside future couples if you feel like you're getting any kind of benefit from this. And also, like I said, we're there for you. We're there to support you and have some objective, real, helpful wedding planning advice for you guys. So without further ado, let's make it happen. Hey there, ringers. Welcome to the Put a Ring on It podcast. I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding planner of DPNAC Events. And I'm Daniel Moyer, wedding photographer of Daniel Moyer Photography. Together, we are two wedding pros sharing our best tips, tricks, and advice for planning a wedding that feels good to you. Because planning a wedding is hard work, but not anymore, because we've got your back. So Dan, are you ready? You know it. Let's do this. Holy moly, it's episode 90. We are up there. We are officially senior citizens now. We're here. It's happened. We've we been officially senior citizens for quite some time. Like, we've been collecting Medicare. We've been doing all the things. But we're like... We're still crushing it, though, at 90. like Right? We're, we're like right? a hip 90. We're like a... A hip a, 90, a, yes. A hip 90. Not a hip replacement 90. A hip yes. 90. Very um, different. Very different. This is mid-season eight. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. We're at mid-season, and this is the first season where we've actually had an Instagram going for a full season. So we thought it'd be really fun to do the social media thing and say like, hey guys, what questions do you have about wedding planning? And this episode, we're just going to be boom, 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 answering them. Just sharing a bunch of stuff, right? Like we put it out there and said, hey, what are you guys obviously having issues with planning and dealing with planning, but also like, where are you at? Because right now, if you're listening to this in the future, we're in the thick of the COVID crisis and, you know, people are postponing, they're sticking with it. They're not sure what they're doing, right? So like that adds a whole other layer on top of it. So you'll see there's a lot of questions. Yeah, this is a mixed bag episode of questions from our Instagram friends, as well as our Ringer Club members who are amazing. So... Without further ado, shall we like hold our breath, dive right in to the waters? Well, I have to plug my nose because I don't want water to get. Do you really always plug your nose? Because I almost always plug my nose when I swim. Always. I'm always holding my nose. I'm an adult. I just blow air out of my nose when I dive in. Yeah, well, not all of us have your skills. And I have no <laughs> shame in the fact that I hold my nose. So fun story, really quick one. This past weekend, we actually spent some time at my parents' house we haven't seen in some time. And they have this really fun pool. And we were 
just going absolutely bonkers. I have not played in a pool in far too long, but I was like jumping in and diving and doing flips and we were laughing so hard, but the amount of black and blue marks all over my body now because I have sensitive skin and just like slapping the water with my thighs. (laughs) It was so much fun, but I did a lot of nose holding, Dan. So So speaking of fun and enjoyment, let's start it off with like this first question from our Instagram friend, Elizabeth. What's a fun experience that could take the place of a wedding favor? Ooh, I like this question. So we've said it before on this podcast, though I don't know how recently, so I will say it again. The wedding favor is a great idea because like it shows your gratitude, right? That's the point of the favor. It's the thank you for coming. Remember us. However, the idea of a favor that they're not necessarily ever going to use again. Like if it's something that is like very specific to you and is like a nice memento, but then is otherwise just going to sit on a shelf, which that was, I came dangerously close to saying something bad there (laughs) when I said sit on a shelf, but it's not always the best use of your money in our opinion. So some alternatives that we've seen, well, actually, Dan, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, it's to say you can only have so many like boxes of matches or lager glasses, like beer glasses or whatever, right? Like it's something. But what always goes over well is food. 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 Just give people more food. Yeah. It doesn't need to be like a course. You can still have a little thing at the table. Maybe it's cookies. Maybe it's something salty. Maybe it's something you made together. It doesn't matter. But that is so much fun and everybody loves it. And one of the things about food also is like if you can tie in some of like maybe the area that you're in, like that kind of food, right? So Philly has like a thing called Tasty Cakes. Like I've seen those as favors. Philly's known for like their soft pretzels. So I've seen those as favors. I've seen mini cheesesteaks as favors, right? So I don't know, like where are you at? Is there something that like your town, your area or whatever is known for that people coming from out of town might also be interested in having? Yeah, exactly. And if you want to do something that's not food, because she specifically asked what's a fun experience, though food to me is an experience, there are other things too. There's like caricature artists where, you know, maybe during the cocktail hour or throughout the night, there's somebody there drawing faces. Like that would be something fun to come home with as a guest. Yeah. There's also like poetry writers. I'm not a big poetry person, but I could see how that would be cool. I've even seen like a tattoo artist doing like little baby tattoos. Yep. I've seen, uh, and this is a shared wedding that we saw, was the strolling magician. What was it? Magic Mike? Magic Mike. Yes. Yeah, he's awesome. He was so good. A photo booth, if people still have, uh, there are printable photo booths. Like, you know, those are always really cute. And one of the things I would suggest is not necessarily always or like asking the photo booth if you can have like a copy of every single one of the photographs that is printed. So like your guest gets a copy and you also get a copy. Occasionally, People get those photo booth strips and they like shove them in a purse or in a pocket or whatever. And then they, you know, they get lost. So I've always been curious. And one of the things I'm thinking about doing with my photo booth company is finding a way to like not give prints and then give the couple the prints and have them be able to like mail them out with their thank you cards or something. Just as like a little like because it's then removed from the wedding. It's not like in a purse as an afterthought or doesn't get like a drink spilled on or doesn't end up sitting on a table somewhere. So that's one of the things I'm trying to figure out, like the process of that. I think that'd be cute to like be able to send it out later. I love that. I totally didn't think of photo booth. That was totally smart. I love that. All right. So moving on, the next question comes from uh, another Instagram friend of ours, Danielle. Great name, by the way. So Danielle asks, 
We got engaged in July and we want to get married in spring 2021. This is a long question, guys, so hang in there. The thought of inviting all 160 people we want made us the losing sleep kind of stressed. What if COVID gets worse over the winter? What if our reception venue can no longer accommodate a large crowd and we lose deposit money from our already small budget? Anyway, right now we plan to invite around 50 people for a live streamed April ceremony and some kind of dinner. Then, when social distancing is eased, hopefully fall 2021 or spring 2022, we want to have a big reception dinner with dinner and a dance. And she includes that little dancing girl emoji. I love her. So she asks, does this seem like a reasonable compromise? What's a drama minimizing way to explain this to friends and older relatives who are expecting an invite? Our church ceremony currently only allows 70 people anyway. So what might a simple reception involving divorced parents look like? Will a much later reception and party be acceptable? Whew. Wow. Yes. So much to unpack there, right? Yep. First and foremost, congratulations on your engagement. OMG. That is wonderful, right? You just got engaged in July, and now you're kind of like thrown into planning a wedding in the midst of a global pandemic. So raise your hand, turn it around, and pat yourself on the back because so far you're doing great. Dan, stop laughing. I like that you did that while you were explaining it. Well, I also just had to read that question. So, like, I deserve a pat on the back, too. Very true. Yep, true. Dan, what advice do you have for Danielle? I got my popcorn. I'm ready for you to, like, Danielle it and crush it. So I'm just sitting here noshing on some popcorn. Keep going. Fair enough. Well, you could call Danielle butter because she's on a roll. There you go. (laughs) Love butter. All right. So my Instagram friend Danielle here. I'm not sure where you're located or what restrictions are in place for your area. So it's tough to say regarding 50 people versus 160 people. But I think what you're saying here, which is like doing the smaller event soon with a larger event down the line, is a great idea, right? Like overall, I think, and maybe I have rose-colored glasses on, but I truly feel that people are more understanding of the restrictions in place. They are aware of what's going on. This isn't specific to one area or one family or whatever it is. They get it. And plus, you're making these adjustments for their safety. Nothing about this is a selfish move on your part. It's all based off of keeping everybody as safe as possible throughout this pandemic. So, I think that if anybody has a problem with that part of it, it sounds like it's a much deeper problem for them than it is for you. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I feel like this question is coming up an awful lot, right? Like, you know, how do we handle this? Do we do a small wedding now and then do a party later? And a lot of my couples are doing that, right? Like some of them are pushing off the wedding till next year, the wedding in terms of like the reception and the big party, and they're keeping their original wedding date and doing like something real small, or they're postponing and doing like something really small in January or February, right? So the one thing we've talked about a little bit, and this has been really on my heart for a very long time is we're also attached to like the wedding date in general and like the idea of like celebrating with all of our friends and family and that will happen. But just a reminder out there that like small does not mean less special. And the fact that like you have five people versus 150 or 15 people versus 150 doesn't make it any less special or any less meaningful or any less the fact that you're going to be married at the end of the day, right? Like I just had a wedding this past Saturday. They told me months ago, August 22nd is our wedding date. 
we are not going anywhere else. We're not doing anything else. That's the day we're going to get married. And they did. They set up a little tiny ceremony in Center City, Philly at the Rose Garden. Um, they put some chairs out. They put a little table out. They had champagne and cake and they just got married. They wrote the ceremony themselves and it was beautiful. And they're now on their honeymoon. They're amazing. But here's the final point, right? Like the wedding is the luxury. We say this all the time, right? Like it can be as big or small as you want it. And it doesn't have any effect on the strength of your marriage, right? The wedding and marriage are two totally separate things. So just remember, right? Like this is not exactly what you're asking, but a lot of people are just saying like, how do we do this? And I just want you to give you guys permission to be like, if we do the small thing right now, awesome. And it's going to be amazing. You're still going to be married after that. And then once the shadow of COVID has started to get shorter and you get outside of it and you have that big party, it's going to feel so great to be able to celebrate twice that's the silver lining, right? Not everybody gets to celebrate their wedding twice. So hang in there. It's not going to be less special. It's still going to be meaningful and be amazing. Yeah. This idea that, you know, Danielle mentioned here that they're going to live stream part of their event. She's like, how do I still make it? How do I make it okay? Right. And I really think that as with any hurdle that comes our way. It's all about how we handle it, right? How the technique in which we use to jump over said hurdle. So your best bet to build up excitement around the live stream event is to share how excited you are to invite them to watch that. It will feel as special as you make it to them. If you surround it with the bummer vibes, then they'll get bummer vibes. If you're crazy excited, yeah, but if you're crazy excited that everyone gets to like safely witness your wedding, then they'll rise to that energy too. You know what I mean? Like it's all about how you frame it right now because all I can think as I read her question was if one of our friends reached out and was like, you know, we can't do what we wanted, but we're live streaming. Here's the link. Here's the date. Here's the time. We would like get dolled up. We'd show up like we would be so over the moon. Like, yeah, we don't get to dance and that's a bummer, but like, holy crap, we're still invited to this thing to witness. And like, how special does that feel that we're part of that with them? So I really, really think it's all about how you frame it. But everything you're saying is totally acceptable. I think it's honestly going to be our new normal for quite a while. And I'm not against some of it sticking around for a little bit longer. Like you said, Dan, <laughs> like the small stuff is nice. People definitely take their cue from you, right? Like we talked about this on the bad weather episode and all that kind of stuff. And it goes for right now. Like even if you're like a duck right now, like maybe you're calm on the surface and freaking out underneath. If you put on a happy face for like a minute, I guarantee everybody else is going to feel that energy and they're going to rise to the occasion with you and be just as excited as you are. Right. Which is going to like support you too. Like it's not just you faking putting on a happy face. It's also like building that foundation with them to come together to support that. Yes. So our next one is from our Instagram friend, Lizzie. So this is a kind of a heavy one that we're going to talk through. It says, how do you handle the death of a bridesmaid, say, rather than a parent or a grandparent? I'm struggling to come up with ways to honor her, but also not to have it be like a memorial. Yes, which is tough. And we touched base with Lizzie privately just to say that we are so sorry for her loss because that's just it's a tremendous loss during our already difficult time. But ultimately, there's no right or wrong decision here with what you choose to do. It's very personal. Whatever you decide to do, it should feel good to you. But we also know that what you're asking here is like, point me in like some sort of direction or like give me some ideas. So Dan, maybe we can share some things that we've seen before. 
Yeah, and this one I always feel special to me. It doesn't feel like a memorial because it's maybe a little bit more subtle. I've seen like an empty chair left for them with either a picture or maybe just a rose or not a picture and just like a small token of theirs or a flower or something there that just leaves a seat open for their presence. At the ceremony, you mean, right? At the ceremony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes there's like a little flower. Sometimes it's a picture of them. Sometimes it's just nothing at all, just a reserved seat. And the people that need to know what that is know and otherwise, you know, it's all good. You know, there's other like really simple ways, right? Like maybe you light a candle or you have a candle just burning even before then if you don't want to make like a whole thing about it. Um, you can just have a candle burning in her honor at the ceremony or at the table that she'd have been seated at for the reception or something like that, right? Like just very subtle, very simple things for her, you know? Yeah. Personally, I don't love the idea of an empty seat at the reception because it can sometimes be a bit too heavy while people are eating and drinking. But again, it's a personal call. You know what I mean? You can build it into a more positive thing and a more celebratory thing. But for me, the empty or the safe seat at the ceremony feels more honorary. Um, but no matter what, there's no right or wrong. If you're also, if you're religious, right? Like you can have a prayer, you can have a moment of silence, you can have a gratitude moment, you know, any of those kind of things, right? Or like just a very brief moment sharing of her favorite memory or something like, especially if this person's really close to you and you wish her to be there, like maybe you do like a bride speech, like rather than like maid of honor speech, you do like a bride speech about her. Like, again, who knows about like what this is, how close she was, you know, this is us kind of saying like, here's some thoughts for you. So, you know, there's lots of different things you can do. Nobody's gonna be like, oh, that was weird or anything, right? Like, so there's no right or wrong answer. I think any way that you decide to honor her um, will be special. And I think it'll be memorable for you as long as it feels right to you. All right. Our next question comes from one of our Ringer Club members, Fallon, who's amazing. She asks, what is your opinion of, instead of a traditional reception, doing something fun like a paint night with easy-to-pick-up food and cake? And obviously that sounds like it's surrounded by the idea of COVID because food and drink kind of complicates things. So what are your thoughts on that, Dan, like doing just like a paint night? I think that any way that you are able to bring people together safely and give them something to do, right? Like, I don't know if anybody's following the news, right? But there's like some things happening with like a wedding in Maine where people got this because, you know, they said, oh, we're just going to have a dance party. We're not going to wear masks or whatever. And then something happened, right? And now a lot of people at the wedding have it. So real talk for a second. If you have like a paint night, there are many different ways that you can do it. And I think it's super creative. It's fun for everybody who's involved. And it's just a great way to bring people together, right? Like actually when I read this one, I thought of how funny it would be to like have it be like a picnic paint night where like you actually sit down and have like a canvas out in front of you and like and you can like finger paint or something. I don't know. I, I thought it was like more interactive like that. So maybe you're like outside out on like a big lawn and you've got like a big canvas and you can like paint that way and like each person can like, I don't know, paint something. What if you could have like one big canvas and everybody paint something separately? That would probably be... That might be ugly because, you know, not everybody paints well. <laughs> well it, could be, it could be abstract. It could be abstract. Oh, sure, sure, sure. No, I like that. You know, it always comes down to the idea that this is your party for everyone else. So will your guests enjoy something creative and interactive like that? I can easily see some families loving that and other families being like, I'm sorry, we're doing what now? But because it's so unique, if you do go that route, I would say you really want to make it clear the type of event you're having on your invite and the website and all of that. Like, don't pose it like as a wedding reception with no other information because people are going to make certain assumptions that there's going to be like a dinner and dancing and whatever. 
pose it as like, we're doing something creative, out of the box, fun. If you don't want to paint, still come hang out with us and, you know, watch or do whatever. But I think there needs to be a bit more of a setup and explanation behind what you're doing if you go that route. But I think it sounds cool. I'll go anywhere for food and cake. So if I have to paint something for it, I am down. Dan, did you ever do a paint night? Like one of those paint night things? I did one with Rachel. It was a lot of fun. I spent years in college painting. I'm okay now. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Bachelor's of Fine Arts, concentrating in photography. Well, I didn't. How am I supposed to know that includes painting, Dan? I don't know these things. So I should say specializing in photography, but you like you have to be well versed in all the other fine arts. So like the mug that I drink out of in the morning, which is not here, like I made my own ceramic mug and bowls and all that kind of stuff. I did years of painting, oil paints and acrylic paints, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Renaissance man, you are. No big deal. I didn't say I was good at it. <laughs> the mug leaks like a sieve, but it's it works. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I didn't know that. Super proud of that mug. Anyway, continuing on. All right. Next question. So next one is from our Instagram friend, Jojo Bo. Is it cheesy to invite guests to slow dance halfway through your first dance? No, it's not. Next question. Yeah, no, <laughs> not at all, right? I mean, maybe give yourself some time just for like the two of you and so your photographer can do their thing. Yeah. So there's two things here that I'm thinking about from a visuals perspective from a photographer. One is like the first dance is like a really great time for me to like do something interesting and like make like an epic picture of like your ceremony or your reception space and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes like if the first dance is cut kind of short, it's hard to get pictures. Like remember, you're moving, you're spinning around a circle. So I'm trying to get like a good emotional picture or a good face of you guys smiling or looking at each other or whatever. So there's like that part of it. So if there's not enough time to get that, you know, like is the picture going to happen? Is it going to be there? The second is I actually kind of like it sometimes when like at the last half people are brought up to have a slow dance one because i feel like it's a very visual representation of like being surrounded by love right like because people are coming together there's couples dancing all that stuff and there's one picture that i swear every time that this happens that i get every time that the couples ask their friends and family to come up and it's just this like moment where like I don't know why, like there's like a little bit of nerves, like just dancing up there by themselves and they invite all these people up there and they like physically, like I can see it on their faces because I'm like zoomed in on them where they like take a deep breath and they just like get into each other, just like lean on each other. And it's like they're the only two people in the room. Like they could tell all the eyes are on them before and then all of a sudden now it becomes like they're comfortable. And it's like I get this picture every time like shooting through people of them just like nuzzling and loving on each other. It's just always such a beautiful moment. So I do love both sides of it. I think if there's a good balance. Yeah. And from a logistical standpoint, or even just like a good party flow standpoint, I feel as though anytime you're bringing guests up out of their seats, don't bring them up out of their seats for just a minute to do the slow dance and then sit back down. Do your part, you know, do your slow dance then halfway through, invite, you know, everybody to slow dance with you and then turn it up a notch and turn it into a little bit of a dance party. It doesn't have to be long, but even if it's two or three songs, suddenly now everybody's on the dance floor. Energy is up. They're so excited because they've just had a great cocktail hour food, hopefully, and they're about to go into dinner. And like, it just feels so good. Though I'm making that assumption. So we're on East Coast reception style. Our first dances happen before dinner. So if you guys are doing your first dance later, ignore what I just said about that. But still, <laughs> you can still bring into a little bit of a dance party after that, because I just think it's a great way to kick off the festivities of things. Okay. Next question comes from an Instagram friend and a theater friend. Y'all know I'm a theater nerd. Hannah. 
So Hannah asked, are there any specific things that should be expected at a holiday wedding, specifically New Year's Eve? Ooh. Ooh. I love New Year's Eve. I do. This question, I think we can probably interpret a few different ways. So with that, Hannah, I think from a guest experience perspective, if I were attending a New Year's Eve wedding, I would probably expect the midnight countdown and champagne. And other than that, I don't know that I would necessarily expect anything else, you know? Yeah, I think like you can build up that moment, right? Like maybe you can see if there's confetti or I've seen lots of pictures of uh, New Year's Eve weddings. So confetti or like giving people like something to do, like maybe it's noisemakers or clappers or like whatever kind of like silly string. I don't know. Oh, boy. Get your permission from your venue first. OMG. Don't listen to me. <laughs> don't listen to me with silly string. Unless... <laughs> Biodegradable silly string outdoors. There. That's the only time there I want to use it. In December. Sure. I would say that you wouldn't want your event to end at like 11 or 11.30, in which case like everybody's then like in their car driving home or back to a hotel at midnight. Like that would feel weird to me if I was attending. Like I would feel really off about that. Otherwise, from a guest standpoint, I can't really think of anything else that you would want to consider. But from the vendor standpoint, there's other factors at play here. Yeah, for sure. There's two things. One is that you can expect higher rates, right? Like it's kind of a prime time. Just definitely expect that. Things people are going to be considering that or something you should consider. Two is that there might be fewer vendors available. You know, now there's like maybe family things that come in with the vendors, right? Because, you know, they're all people too and they've got stuff. So like, for instance, like New Year's Eve is a big one for us. Like we have a party every year. We love that. So like I won't take a wedding on New Year's Eve for that reason because it's very special to us. So there may be some less availability for some vendors, but that's it. And you'll be able to find people. Yeah, exactly. All right. Last but not least, this last question is a little bit longer. So this question comes from another Instagram friend, Lauren. Lauren says, I have three sisters and my fiance has two. I know people say they don't have to be in the wedding party, but what are your thoughts? She also says, I also have some people who are expecting and have even made comments about wanting to be in the wedding, meaning expecting to be asked to be in the wedding party. I don't know how to respond or kindly switch the conversation. Are there just a few basic rules to go by when picking bridesmaids, groomsmen? Finally, have you two come across any other alternative roles for people who didn't make the cut? Ways that we can still make them feel important. Okay. Let's break it down. Those are several questions in here. There is. Go ahead, Dan. So the first one says, I don't have to be in the wedding, but what are your thoughts, right? You are absolutely right. You can put whoever you want in your party. I have seen best friends be in wedding parties. I've seen not best friends be in wedding parties. I've seen only family members. I've seen no family members. At some point, you have to cut it off as to who is going to be allowed in the party, right? And... There's no rules, I guess, to say like as to like who should be in this and and like choosing your wedding party. The only unofficial thing is to say that like not to ask somebody just because they're expecting to be asked unless you actually want to have them as part of it. I think that it can create some weird situations if you just ask somebody to be in because they're expecting to be asked and you don't really want them to be in there. That's just a sticky situation you don't want to be part of. Exactly. Feelings are eventually always going to come out if you go that route, unless you're a very, very thick-skinned person. I don't know. We actually get into this a little bit in episode 77. This is an episode I did with a really good wedding planner friend of mine, Berlin Martin, who's based out in Ohio while Dan was out on paternity leave last year. But we talked about how to set boundaries while planning your wedding. And we very specifically cover like, how do you kind of navigate this like 
switch the conversation. And I won't even try and get into it because Berlin explains it so, so well in that episode. But you're not telling them what they want to hear because you're not saying, okay, yes, I want you to be a bridesmaid or groomsman. But you're just like being completely oblivious to the fact that they're sort of like hinting at it and just changing the conversation entirely onto something else. It's a really tricky thing. There are definitely no rules. You can have siblings in your wedding party. You don't have to have siblings in your wedding party. You can have no wedding party. You can have just a few people. You can have a whole bunch of people. It's really up to you. But alternative roles, I like this question a lot because I still think you're not saying your siblings aren't important to you. You're just saying like, I don't know that I want to make them a bridesmaid or groomsman. So what can we still do that makes them special? There's like a few things I've seen that I really like, and that's maybe you ask them to do a reading at the ceremony. Maybe they hand out programs at the ceremony. That's really good for like a brother thing if they want to hand out programs or usher. I'd love if they gave a toast, you know, like maybe they have something really nice to share with everybody, or you can have a special dance with them, you know, whether it's like a slow dance or an upbeat dance or a choreographed dance. What else? You can incorporate them more into your like rehearsal dinner. Like that's usually more family focused. So that's a great time to do that. Let them sing a song or play a song if they're musically talented. Not so much if they're not musically talented, but, you know, things like that. They could still get ready with you. The term bridesmaid and groomsman, I almost wish it didn't exist because it puts a label on something that doesn't need a label. Like it's an honorary attendant role and I get it, but I think it causes a lot of conflict sometimes where there doesn't need to be because once you put a label on it, then it feels like either inclusive or exclusive and nobody really wants that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? Like I feel like like a reader might be more special than just like a random bridesmaid or groomsman, right? Because they don't have like an actual role. They're just standing up there with you versus like a reader. You have to get up there and you – read something to the couple, to the audience, whatever, during the ceremony that is meaningful to the couple, right? So you're kind of like more front and center than even being a part of it in terms of like being a bridesmaid or groomsman. But I think part of it is maybe how you pitch it to them. If you like approach it that same way, right? Like where we want you to be a part of our wedding and we want you to do a reading or we want you to help do the, I love that you said rehearsal, right? Like, you know, that's a little bit more family. You know, we'd love to have you do a toast at the rehearsal. I don't know. There's also like little things that can show somebody how special they are without saying, oh, you have to wear this matching dress or this matching suit. And then that's it, you know? And buy a bouquet for them or get them a boutonniere or get them a corsage or do the thing or yeah, it's a lot. I very much see the trend going more towards either smaller wedding parties or no wedding party at all. And again, not the idea that like, oh, well, I don't have any people, still plenty of people getting ready and being part of the pre-wedding event and doing all that. But I very much see that being more and more and more of a trend, especially now as we're distancing and doing all that where it's, you know, everything's getting trimmed down. So I love that. These were really great questions, guys. I am always impressed with the level of like compassion and thoughtfulness and creativity and just the hearts of our amazing ringers. So I want you guys to know that these questions were good. And if you have a question that didn't get answered in this episode and you want to send it in to us, please do that. Instagram right now is probably honestly the best way to send over your question. We're at Put A Ring On A Podcast. But if we get enough good questions, we can do another Q&A episode at the end of the season. So you might hear your question answered there. 
Yep. And then if you also want access to us, right, you can check out patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. That's where all of our Ringer Club members are in there. They're asking us questions and they have access to us regularly. You know, it's a couple of bucks a month. Uh, you can get in there and literally just have like us in your back pocket for bouncing ideas off of or questions or whatever. That's what we're here for. We've been doing this for a long time. Um, there's not much that Danielle and I haven't seen. So, you know, if that sounds like something that would be good for you, um, hit us up. That's what we're here for. We're here to help. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Put a Ring on It podcast. Hey, before we wrap up this episode, we want to take a minute and give lots of love and virtual high fives to all of our Patreon supporters. We wouldn't be here without you. You guys are the best. Yeah, you are. And if you want to join this fabulous community of ringers, because let's be real, things are way easier when you have a solid support system who's going through it just like you are. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I, or just click the link in the show notes. Yeah, not only are you helping out our show, but we are committed to bringing you a ton of extra help along the way. Like we've said, we got your back. Another way you can show your support is to rate, review, and subscribe in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. If you want to dive deeper on anything that we talked about today, check out the show notes at putaringonapodcast.com. And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram, where you can catch some more tips, see Dan's amazing photos, and watch some behind-the-scenes bloopers. Follow us at Put A Ring On It Podcast. Now, friends, remember, we are here to help you, but no matter whose advice you follow or what decisions you make, know that your wedding is going to be amazing. Because you rock! Until next time, ringers.